But as we get ready to read God's word, we want to first thank him and giving us his word. And so what we do is we say the Baruch Hu blessing. If you have a Siddur, you can look at page 66. And I'll say the blessing of the Torah. Baruch Hu Adonai HaMevorach. Baruch Adonai HaMevorach Leolam Vayed. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Bachabanu Mekoha Amim Venatan Lanu Et Torato Baruch Adonai Notein HaTorah Amen. Bless the Lord, the Blessed One. Blessed is the Lord, the Blessed One, for all eternity. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has chosen us from all peoples and has given us his Torah. Blessed are you, O Lord, the giver of the Torah. And you'll notice this little object I'm holding here to read from the Torah. This is called a Yad in Hebrew. And uh, it is, we don't touch the scroll with our hands because we have oil on our hands that will help further the decay of the scroll. We want it to last as long as possible. So we use the Yod. It's just a brass object with a little tiny hand at the top, a little tiny Yod at the top. That's why we call it a Yod. And to me, as a believer of Messiah, this represents the role of the Holy Spirit, which, if you remember, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which will lead you to all truth. And the Word of God is truth. And if anything someone tells you contradicts the Word, or they even say, I have a word from the Lord, but it contradicts his written word, Um, The Holy Spirit will prick your heart and drive you back to test it, test it according to his word. So I'm going to be reading today from uh, the book of Vaigra or Leviticus in English. Leviticus chapter 23 is all about the Moedim, the set apart times that we are to celebrate for generation to generation. And I'm not certain what verse we'll be reading from, but it's the portion dealing with uh, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, it's later down in the chapter, midway through or three-quarters of the way through, if you'd like to follow along in English, or if you have a Hebrew Tanakh or Bible you'd like to follow along with. I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. I'm going to be reading it a few words at a time and translating it for you so you can understand. And my goal in doing this is for us to understand that what we're doing today is a direct commandment from the creator of the universe. And I'm going to read it from his word so that we all are on the same page here in what we're doing today, and that is following his structure, just be- simply being obedient. So it starts off. Vaidaber Adonai el Moshe, and God spoke to Moshe, Moses. Lemor daber el bene Yisrael, and he says, speak to the children of Israel. Lemor bechodesh hashvi'i, beechad lechodesh. He says, tell them that in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, yihayeh lechem shabbaton. You shall have for yourself a Sabbath, a shabbaton. Zikron Teruah, which is marked by the remembrance or the hearing of a Teruah. And a Teruah is a loud noise. It is a sound of a shofar or it's a shout. It's used in the book of Joshua when they're surrounding the, the city of Jericho as a shout. And it says, Mikra Kodesh, you shall have a holy uh, convocation, a gathering together of people that are celebrating it. Kol Melacha Avodah, and you shall do no work or, or service. Lo ta'asu, and no, no um, uh, again, like no, no acting or no, no working. Vahikaravtim ish le'adonai, and you shall bring an offering of fire to the Lord. Baruch ata'adonai 
Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah emet, v'chai olam nata betochenu, baruch ata Adonai, noten ha-Torah. Amen. I'm going to give a Devar Torah or a Drash on what we just read and the, the significance of Rosh Hashanah. It was a warm, breezy Friday afternoon on March 17, 1985, in the city of Palm Coast, Florida. A mother of three young children pushes her kids on a swing while at a local park. When a sheriff's deputy quickly pulls up in a squad car, rolls down the window, and in an urgent tone asks, where do you live, ma'am? On Whiteview Parkway, east of Beltaire, why? The fires are heading your direction and you need to get there to your home now if you wanna save any of your stuff. With 8,600 wildfires burning a total of 443,000 acres across Florida alone, that warm spring Friday in 1985 will later become dubbed Black Friday due to the amount of ashes the fire left in their wake. Flagler County, the county in which Palm Coast resided, was the hardest hit. The county's population at the time was just 17,000, and some 10,000 of the 17,000 residents were impacted by the fires. There were 131 homes completely destroyed in that fire and another 200 damaged. In Flagler County alone, a total of 24,055 acres would burn. The young mother followed the deputy out of the park and raced the 20 minutes back to her home in a sparsely populated area of town. Where there were no homes yet built, vacant lots were filled with a mixture of saw palmetto and pine trees, a highly flammable combination. As she stepped out of her car, she looked out across the horizon to the west and could see the wall of black smoke and the sky turning dark from the smoke moving in their direction, the fire moving in their direction. Her heart raced as she realized what all was happening. What was supposed to be a relaxing day with her young kids in the park quickly turned for the worse, and one of which may include the loss of their home and all of their earthly possessions. You have about 30 minutes to get what is of value to you and get out, ma'am, the deputy sternly told the mother. I need you to tell me where your neighbors live so that I can warn them too. The young mother quickly described where a handful of her neighbors lived and he raced off to warn them as well. I've got to save some of our stuff. I wish Dave were here to help. The young mother thought as she unloaded the children into the front yard, she calmly instructed her eldest, a daughter, saying, stay here and watch your brothers while I go get some stuff out of the house, okay? The woman darted inside the rental home. It was just a day or two after they had canceled their rental insurance with the hopes of soon moving into a newly purchased home. What's important? What's important? What's important? She loudly repeated as she zigzagged across the house. It was then that the wall-mounted landline phone rang. She snatched it up. Hello? Hey, are you okay? She was immediately calmed by the sound of her husband's voice. As a young pastor, he had spent the day doing his normal Friday routine, studying for his upcoming sermon at a, at a Daytona restaurant 30 minutes south of their home. Yes, we're okay, but click. It was then that the phone call cut off as the power for the entire neighborhood went out, potentially trapping people's cars in their garages and unable to get news from the outside of the fire. The young mother went back to gathering all the things that she had deemed valuable. The church's uh, musical instruments, which were being stored in their house. The new microwave, this is 1985 after all. <laughs> a sewing machine, a few outfits of clothes, bills, and other family memorabilia. A car horn frantically honking broke her focus. Ma'am, ma'am, you've gotta go now, 
The deputy who had circled back around at this point knew that the time had run out and the fires were closing in. She quickly threw the microwave on the roof of her car, loaded up the three kids and the family's German shepherd and followed the squad car back out into the main road and through a police barricade a few miles to the north. Once on the other side of the barricade, she could see a long line of cars ahead of her, all being prevented from entering their neighborhoods to find loved ones, rescue pets, or retrieve valuables from their homes before they burned. Many of them had been spending the day at the beach in an age before cell phones, unaware that fires were even a growing concern. The mother watched as one man, standing outside his car, pounded on the roof with his fist, knowing that whatever was in his home was likely going to be completely lost. Having sped north from Daytona, her husband Dave, concerned for the worst, ran his car through at least two barricades and made it to the point where he knew Barbara and his kids had had to be waiting. There was an instant relief seeing his family alive and well parked on the side of the road. The little family would not know the fate of their home for three full days as emergency crews searched the affected area for hot spots and casualties of the fire. The fire swept across the small town's entire residential area and did not stop until it reached the coast. It was a day later that the fire, a firefighter who knew the young pastor Dave told him that his home had indeed burned. His heart sank, realizing that on a pastor's salary, they would have to spend years saving up to purchase all that was lost in the fire. But he was reminded that what was important was alive and okay, despite that not being the case for so many others. After three days, the young family of five re-entered the neighborhood and, in the midst of smoldering trees and palmettos, found their way to their old street. The once towering pines now looked like burnt Q-tips, the tops still smoking and glowing red. David looked at Barb. Do you want to cover your eyes and I'll tell you whether or not the house is still there? No, she says, I'll look. As they rounded the last turn, it took their eyes a few seconds to process what they were seeing. While everything around their home was completely charred, their home was completely untouched by the fire. Wow. Even the clothes that hung out on the line were unsinged by the wall of flames and flying embers. In a half-joking tone, David looked at his young wife and said, now that we know everything is okay, I just want to ask, why did you grab your sewing machine and not my guns? <laughs> there are times in life when we come face-to-face with that question our young mother came face-to-face with. What's important? What's important? It is so easy to be swept into, a living, into living a life solely for the temporal distractions this world has to offer. This day, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, and the sounding of the shofar is our annual alarm clock. Wake up. When the shofar sounds, it forces us to re-examine our hearts and our motives. The Feast of Trumpets, or the Day of the Teruah, is a holy rehearsal for the day when God will call his people home. And for thousands of years, the Amidah has been recited by religious Jews, some of whom were scattered around the globe. One portion of the Amidah reads, Sound the great shofar for our freedom, and raise the banner to gather our exiles, and gather us from the four corners of the earth and into our land. Blessed are you, O Lord, who gathers the dispersed of his people Israel. As believers in Yeshua, the shofar means the gathering of the exiles and still more. Matthew 24 tells us that immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the son of man and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Later, in 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us that 
He is revealing to us a mystery when he says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will all be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality. Yeshua, speaking through the apostle John, gives us more insight into the possible last trumpet. In Revelation, it foretells for us that when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, there was loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit in their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was for you taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, both small and great and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened up and the Ark of the Covenant was seen within his temple and there were flashes of lightning, rumbles, peals of thunder an earthquake and heavy hail. You see, the sound of the shofar means a lot to us. Within those sound waves that you will hear today are emitted, it is a call for, for exiles to return. It is a herald of the resurrection of the dead. And lastly, the sound of the shofar is a sound we will all hear before this age, this world, comes under the full knowledge and sovereignty of God's eternal kingdom. So the question is, what's important? What's important? As she was zigzagging around the house in 1985, asking her husband, what's in, asking herself what's important, my mother never would have imagined that 38 years later, her son, who was sitting in the front yard of that day, would use this event as an illustration for a sermon on a future Rosh Hashanah in Dothan, Alabama. See, that's the interesting thing about tragedy, is that sometimes if we allow God to use tragedy, there is usefulness in it. Just like the shofar, Tragedy has a tendency to remind us of what is important. Many in our midst today have sadly had to ask that question in times of deep despair and tragedy. What's important? What's important? When this age is coming to a close, Messiah's return grows more imminent. We will hopefully find ourselves asking that question as opposed to diverting our attention away from the impending kingdom. So I urge you today, ask the question now and then act on it. Invest in your children, invest in your marriages, invest in your walk with God. Don't settle for the bare minimum in those areas of your lives. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul reminds us that for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, they're temporary, but the things that are unseen, they are eternal. So just like God provided a ram for Abraham in the place of Isaac, as he lay bound on the altar, the shofar, which comes from a ram, is a means of invoking God's mercy again. As we sound the shofar, we are awaking ourselves and we're rehearsing for the coming kingdom. We're also realizing that with his coming kingdom comes judgment. So the sound of the shofar is a signal and a reminder that we may not be ready yet. We need mercy. And this is why we will now take 10 more days from today to further prepare for Yom Kippur, which is a foretaste of the coming judgment day. 
When we sound the shofar in fulfillment of the verses I read in Leviticus 23 just now, our hearts are opened and we should regret our sins and our thoughts should turn toward repentance and the coming messianic kingdom. It is both an invocation of God's compassion and a collective cry for the return of the Messiah. Anthony told me a story last week about he's in fire school and he's been in fire school, uh, school for a couple of weeks now. And one of the things he said, I said, what is the most shocking thing about being in fire school that's caught you uh, off guard? And he said, having to be ready all the time. We're all on edge. And I said, really, why? Because we were sitting in a classroom deep in study and, and doing coursework. And then suddenly someone will bust in the back door of our classroom and they will, will they blow a whistle or air horn, blow a whistle. And then everyone has how long? One minute to get to their lockers and get completely dressed with their gear on as if they are fighting a real fire. And that reminded me of today, the sound of the shofar. It's like that whistle in the back of the classroom. Yeah, we may be deep in our jobs. We may be deep in raising children or the concerns of this world. But are we ready? Are we on edge? Are we anticipating the call of the shofar? Be ready. Be on your toes, right? Today is special because it's uh, very participatory. If you have a shofar in our midst, I'm going to call you up now, and we're going to fulfill the commandment of hearing the sound of the shofar and practicing for that coming. I have an extra shofar. If anyone knows how to play the shofar or they just want to take a good, honest try at it, uh, I have one up here in the front row, and you can come up here. But if you brought one today, you're welcome to come on up. Julia, can you give me one slide Yeah. Don't forget, I have the extra shofar up here if anybody wants it. The sound of the awakening blast. Anybody know how to play a shofar and they don't have one? This is your opportunity to shine, your moment to shine. So come on up. You want to take me up on it? Awesome. It's right here on the front row. Now, traditionally on the Feast of Trumpets, we hear 100 blasts of the shofar. Come on up here. 100 blasts of the shofar. And the way we do this is that we, we don't just like all blow uh, uh, 100 blasts. We do it through different methods here that are up on the screen. And I'll be calling them out. And you guys can kind of use this as a cheat sheet here for yourselves. But I'll be calling these out and we're gonna go through these three times. And at the end, I will call out the, the Kia Gadola. But at the end of this, after three times, we'll have heard 100 blasts of the shofar. The first one is a tequila. Is, do I have anybody that wants to demonstrate a tequila? It is one long blast. You wanna do it, Brian? The next one is the she- yeah. The next one is the shevarim, which is three short calls. Go ahead, Brian. And the last one is the teruah, which are nine or more short, fast notes. So I'll be calling these one at a time. Yeah, give it up for Brian. He's alright. No pressure. So we'll do uh, we'll do uh, these three times through. I'll be calling them out one at a time. At the last one, at the third time through, we'll do the Tekiyah Gadola. That is what we call the last great trumpet. And I encourage you, if you want, stand to your feet, clap, shout, sing. Just give the Lord some praise as we long for his, his coming. Amen. You guys ready? Take a deep breath. Tekiyah.
Shavarim. Takia Shevarim Perua There's two Takia As they take a deep breath, I guess I want you guys to shout out, give him praise this morning as they sound the last great trump. Takia Gadola! You guys need to go catch your breath. Man. I'm in a bad place. So now what we're going to do is a tradition of holding up the scroll for everyone to see. And we're going to sing the Vezot HaTorah blessing. This is an ancient and traditional way of verifying to you what I just read was the actual written words of the Torah. You'll notice I, what I did when I was giving a Devar Torah is I covered the Torah with a mantle so as not to confuse you that I'm not reading as I'm speaking and giving this drosh. And I'm not reading from the written word of God, but rather I'm giving my own uh, expounding upon it. And now I'm taking the cover off and I'm going to verify to you. You see, our faith makes the Torah the most accessible to, to even the youngest to the oldest. It does not sequester the access and knowledge of the Word of God. And you're going to see at the end of Sukkot, we'll actually bring our Torah out and we'll actually unroll it uh, quite a bit, you know, probably about 20, 30 feet, and actually have everybody stand around it and ask questions about it. And we'll kind of showcase the Torah, talk about how it was written, and I'll read a little bit from it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to um, do the Vezot HaTorah. It's up on the screen. We'll say this in Hebrew together. Vezot HaTorah, Asher Samoshe, Lifnei Bnei Yisrael, Abni Adonai, Bayan Moshe. This is the Torah which Moses placed before the children of Israel. Marcus, could you give me a hand? Spend the rest of this service singing, dancing, celebrating God's providence in our lives. And before we do, we'll go to the uh, the Vayhi Ben Soharon as we get ready to process the Torah.
The procession of the Torah is a way for us to celebrate having the oracles of God in our midst. There's a lot of traditions surrounding this, and let me make you aware of some of them. And again, with tradition, you don't have to acknowledge it. You don't have to keep it. Um, I like people. To, I like to say that so that we don't confuse it with actual written commandments of God. But the Torah is going to be processed around the room by Bob Sanders, and he's going to walk around. If you have a desire to reach out and touch the Torah and touch it to your lips, it's a way of saying that I want God's word to be on my lips. You can also take your Bible or tassels or tzitzit and do that as well, your siddur. And then you're welcome to follow the Torah around. You know, if Yeshua, our Messiah, came back, we would follow him closely, wouldn't we? We, wanted, we would soak in every word that he spoke. And Yeshua is the word made flesh, isn't he? So in the meantime, we, we celebrate having God's word in our midst. So we'll sing the Vayahi Ben Soharun. Come on up here, Bob. Do you want to read the English first? Does it say? We'll, we'll do the, the Hebrew okay. first. Do we not have a slide for that? Nope. What page are you on? I'm on page 64. 64. Sorry, we don't have a slide for that. But if, if you uh, know it by heart, you can say it. Vayiben Soharon, Vayomer Moshe, Kuma Adonai, Veafutsu Ovecha, Veanusu Mesanecha, Mepanecha, Kimitsion, Tate Torah. Ki mitzion teitzei Torah u'davar Adonai. You go ahead and stand if you don't mind. Yerushalayim Baruch Shenatan Torah Torah Baruch Shenatan Torah Torah Le'amo Yisrael b'tushato. When the ark would travel, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered, and let them that hate you flee from you. For from Zion will go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Blessed be he who in his holiness gave the Torah to his people Israel. Also with this tradition, we are reenacting the, the, the journeys of the people of Israel through the wilderness. If you recall, the Ark of the Covenant contained in it the tablets of the testimony, the, the words of the law in the Ark of the Covenant. So as, we, as the Torah goes around, we are reenacting that processing the Ark of the Covenant around the wilderness, and then it comes to rest again in God's tabernacle. So in a small way, we're kind of memorializing that and reenacting that today.